a seminar led by Dr. Stephen Covey, the late Dr. Covey. He gets up in front of, I don't know, 200, 300 people in the audience, asks everybody to stand up, take their left hand, cover their eyes, and with their right hand, point to which way they think north is. And then has the audience drop the left hand from the eyes and you could see the right hands just pointing in every direction. You know, and he said this is analogous to how so many businesses and teams are run. Everybody thinks they know which way north is and point in that direction when it's the complete opposite. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Ralph Barcy. Ralph is Vice President Global Inside Sales at Trade.io. And Ralph is one of my favorite people in the sales business and one of my favorite guests to have on the show. And in this conversation, Ralph and I start the conversation the way we start all of our conversations. We talk about the books we've read or the books we are reading. You know, Ralph is one of the more thoughtful and well-informed people I know in the sales profession, and it comes from reading books, which is why we talk about reading so much on the show. After we talk about books, we dive into the heart of the matter today and talk about how SDRs and AEs should ideally be working together. We dig into Ralph's rules for successful SDR and AE relationships, and why in those teams where SDRs effectively support AEs, they efficiently tackle inbound and outbound efforts at scale and they build fatter pipelines. So we explore why the best SDR AE teams hold multiple one-on-ones each week, why they debrief immediately after the call, and, well, we'll go through the rest of Ralph's guidelines for top-performing SDR AE teams. After all, no one succeeds in sales on their own, no one loses on their own, you win as a team, you lose as a team. All right, all of this and much, much more, but before we get to Ralph, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Ralph, welcome back to the show. So (laughs) your band is gearing up to be a thing again. We're ready to rock. We've been rehearsing uh, diligently. And as soon as all the lifts happen and we're able to to perform live, we'll be ready to rock. Like you're going to hit the road, do a tour. Uh, you know, great question. We'll, we'll mostly play in the Bay Area. However, uh, a good old friend of mine who also happens to be a drummer uh, is in Austin, Texas. And his band, uh, they're going to be performing Q4 time frame and uh, invited us to open for them in Austin, Texas. Wow. And there were no objections <laughs> from, from my band. So we'll, we'll, I mean, that's probably as far as we'll go, yeah. but we will go to Austin. Yeah, we talked about this last time. So, yeah, you can still find um, videos, you old videos of your band on YouTube. Uh, and people should definitely check those out. You're going to make some new videos? We will. We're, this, is, this is something we've been working to improve for years. Uh, so, yeah, be, be um, excited about some of the videos that are good. Coming down the pike. And the name of your group is? Oh, we're called Segway. Segway. S-E-G-U-E. We used to literally segue from one song to the next without any interruption. uh, But that's when we were much younger. (laughs) Now we need to stop, breathe, (laughs) stretch. (laughs) But the name is still there. It's still Segway. Okay. Well, that works. Uh, (laughs) So uh, you and I, we 
can't talk without talking about books we've been reading. So, oh yeah. So what uh, what good book or books have you been into? You know, um, I've been revisiting a lot of books, mm-hmm. Andy. So uh, versus buying new ones. I mean, the newer one I'm reading right now is a couple years old. It's from Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. It's called The Dichotomy of Leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, cracked that open a couple weeks ago and have uh, been taking copious notes literally in the book uh, and enjoying it. But of late, I've revisited uh, The Checklist Manifesto by Atul Gawande. Love that book. Oh, I love that book. Probably my third go-around with this Mm -hmm. thing. But I've been really... really pulling from it and applying it to uh, our sales development and sales operation at Trey. Well, talk about that, Howard. Uh, you know, what yeah. is it in the book that speaks to you? So again, The Checklist Manifesto by Atul Gawande, who mm. writes about medical stuff oftentimes. So he's, he is a yeah. physician. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I read that book about three, four years ago. And yeah, I, <laughs> I use it as well. So tell us how you're using it. Yeah, so uh, you're right. He's a, a physician, a surgeon, and I think the the whole um, impetus for the book was there were too many mistakes happening in surgery and in ICU uh, that could have been prevented completely if simple checklists were followed and a lot of the basics were covered. But because you know day to day tasks become rote. Mm-hmm. And, and routine, you know, uh, things slip through the cracks. And when it comes to lives, uh, it, it's obviously critical that, you know, nothing slips through the right. cracks. So I have just taken a lot of the fundamentals from that book and applied it to um, how our processes work from a sales development standpoint, you know, going from leads to opportunities and, and mm-hmm. so forth, uh, ensuring that you know, investments that marketing might be making in the creation of a single lead uh, aren't squandered right. uh, and that and we're optimizing for process. So I've tried to take a lot of the concepts from a tools book and just apply it to our day to day operation. And it's really been helping. I don't what I don't have, though, are just the numbers that we've seen, how we've gone from X to Y other than, you know, our pipeline has shown lift uh, to the you know five X levels that we aim for. Right. Well, I mean, I th- I think, and I've way I've used it, and and I use it in content I create and tools that people use that that we've created is just, you know, even for a sales call, right? There's a yeah. checklist yeah. Uh, for a discovery call, for a qualification interaction, for you know needs analysis or problem solving call. There's just a checklist, and it's good to go through. And yeah, and. and- to your point, even on a sales call, it's as fundamental as do you have a beginning, middle, and end to the talk track? Right. It's surprising how many people don't. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it is to me still, still that pe- there's no pivot point uh, identified to the salesperson as to like, when do I ask an open ended question that's going to steer us in this direction or that direction? I just don't hear it and see it as often as I thought I would at this point. In my career, oh, well, that, that opens up a much bigger question. <laughs> uh, just about yeah, you know, how we how we train sellers, right? Mm, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. You and I have talked about right. this. I mean, it's it's yeah. Are we training the wrong things, or not so the wrong things? Are we excluding things that need to be included? Uh, you know, we assume that 
sellers that were hiring coming into the sales force now and in you know, relatively recent history, people that came of age using different methods of communication than what they're being trained to use. And like a phone, for mm -hmm. instance, right? I mean, <clears throat> no one has been a teenager in the last 15, 20 years has spent hours on the phone with their friends, uh, having conversations with them. They, yeah, we message, right? We all, none of us talk on right. the phone the way we used to, uh, unless it's in a business context. So it's, it's, you know, we just make these, these horrible assumptions that we can hire somebody and throw them into a sales training class or an onboarding program and assume that they know just some of the basic sort of human things they need to know to establish a connection, to hold a conversation. Yeah, it's true. Um, you know, I've seen a, a lot of, um, a lot of that in the field, uh, to your point where, you know, some of those old school methodologies are, um, they're referred to so, uh, so closely people who've come up in the game 20 plus years ago, just stick into that and not letting go versus kind of open the, opening the aperture mm -hmm. a bit and, um, looking at the way the world works today. Yeah. Well, I think regardless of the medium is there certain fundamentals that, that persist. And that was really my point is we, we assume people know the fundamentals, like how to make a human connection with somebody, All right? How to build, how to build, how to we, build trust, <laughs> how to develop your credibility with someone, um, just at that yeah. level, let alone the points you're making about how do you unleash your curiosity to reach a level of understanding with another person uh, that enables mm. you to help them. Yeah, it's definitely definitely an assumption I make. You know, I do I do assume more often than not that you know people do know those fundamentals and apply them in terms of just normal human interaction and being of service to the person that you're speaking with uh, and learning as much as you can about them and their world uh, to serve it, to to accommodate it, and to help. Um, and I think there is where the, the credibility and rapport will come from if you can, if you can do that right. right. But I mean, just take that as an example, though, is how often have, have you seen, have you experienced or you've heard about that sellers are trained that, hey, you're there to serve the buyer? Yes. Not very often. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's about making that number. It's about hitting that quota and getting that commission check and moving on to the next exactly. person. And I think this is... Yeah, it breaks my heart. Yeah, and I think this is what... Yeah, paint with a broad brush here, but this is this is what holds the profession back, is that we seem to be doubling down on this idea that says you talked about, you know, make number, hit, you know, close the deal and so on, as opposed to... How do we help somebody achieve and accomplish something that's most important to them? Good news is I think it's fixable. Yeah. And I, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's something we can, we can turn the ship on this. Well, yeah, the question is how do we do that, right? Because I, I, I think we're sort of at a little bit of an inflection point in sales these days and that we've you know, sort of gone one way for sort of the last 15, 20 years and it sort of feels like we've exhausted, <laughs> exhausted this direction. And <laughs> it's time to try something new. Yeah, it is tiring, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, and there's no evidence to support the idea that this is yeah you know, one of my bugaboos is is that we should be so much better than we are with the the benefit of all this technology. Yeah, and there's no evidence to support that sellers are any more productive in the way I define it, which is you know dollars of revenue generated per hour of actual selling time mm. now than they were. 40 years ago. Yeah, I think it's um, it's not just an external thing either, uh, meaning like vendor to customer. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges even internally with developing the credibility and rapport and building the relationships between and among your internal stakeholders. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think uh, you know, I talk a lot about sales development efforts and I I think there's a lot of work to be done in terms of driving interlock between account executives and SDRs. Right. You know, marketing and sales, et cetera, et cetera. However, however you want to slice it. I think it comes down to some fundamental human interaction stuff that I think is often overlooked. And it's something that doesn't scale. I think a lot of people, especially in the world I work in, uh, there's a lot of focus on, well, how is this going to scale? How is this going to scale? And I think in a lot of respects, the things that scale I mean, things will scale when you do the things that don't scale, when you actually work on one-to-one efforts and it's done collectively. I hope that makes sense. I hope that's not clear <laughs> as mud. To something, though, which is, and we're, we're going to get into this about this, you know, SDR-AE relationships. But, yeah, in hmm. sales, you don't win alone. You don't lose alone either. 100%. Yeah, it, it requires a... A team of people at all times. And so I think you were referring to, though, that we still seem to be so siloed um, in general, yeah. right? There's some, you know, to greater or lesser degrees, depending on the company, but still tend to be so siloed that even though we're talking about, let's, you know, let's say ABM, where there's in its best form, you've got sales and marketing or revenue operations even, you know, completely enmeshed. Uh, similarly gold and incented and so on is doesn't seem to be solving the issue. Correct. And it's also uh, communicating which way is north. We've talked about that before, haven't we? No, go ahead. Uh, uh, maybe 20 years ago, I was at a, um, I was at a seminar led by Dr. Stephen Covey, the late Dr. Covey. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, he gets up in front of, I don't know, 200, 300 people in the audience, asks everybody to stand up, take their left hand, cover their eyes, and with their right hand, point to which way they think north is, and then has the audience <laughs> drop the left hand from the eyes, and you could see the right hands just pointing in every direction. Right, right. You know, and he said, this is analogous to how so many businesses and teams are run. Everybody thinks they know which way north is and point in that direction when it's the complete opposite. And, um, I see that, I see that a lot when that, when the mission and the, um, identification of the North star isn't reinforced, recommunicated and revisited. Uh, and, and so everybody kind of goes awry and goes every right. which way. Well, let's, let's, so let's pursue that. Cause I mean, let's, let's take no. a, well, I think it's sort of, uh, one of the most important. So for instance, and this is, regard to what you were talking about earlier in terms of service orientation, what, what is sales? Well, right. I mean, is, yeah. is service. I think, 
Sure, but yeah, you know, unless you have alignment around that, you're never going to be, you know, no one's going to be pointing a north in the right direction, right, or the same direction. True. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've sort of been. I always try to simplify things as much as I can in the work that I do, and and to the point about service is, yeah, I define sales as listening to understand, to understand, not to know, but to understand, listening to understand the most imp- what is the most important thing to the buyer and then help them get that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that should be your job in sales. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. I know hardly any organizations that are oriented around that perspective of selling because it's all about, as you described before, yeah, hitting the number. Yeah, but it's yeah making the transaction, right? And and so what it is? What is it that that keeps organizations from saying, "Look, let's focus on this," right? If we focus on really focus on what the most important thing to the buyer and how we can help them get that, it's a pretty completely different way of of looking at sales, right? I mean, you go look at sales, say, "Well, if that's our job, then." You know, look at the stages of our selling process. How do those fit that? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that is that's a big one. That's a big discussion. That's um, why we're here. That's why we're paying you the big bucks today. Yeah, it's um, the good news. For, you know, from my seat, Andy, is I have seen shining examples of of doing it that way, where you know you really do listen to understand to understand what it is that. Um, is needed from a prospect who then becomes a customer. You serve that need mm-hmm. and then you uncover over the duration of the relationship more needs that you yep. can serve and accommodate and you do so. And then you share the story and, and ideally the customer shares the story along with you and it repeats itself and mm-hmm. it starts to scale naturally as it should. I've right. seen shining examples of that, but yet I've also seen the dark side too where just focused on the transaction, hitting the number, you know, just to survive as a company. And, um, I really obviously, um, tether myself to the former. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but they're not, they're not antithetical to each other. I mean, that's the thing that I think is, is the push pull right now, right? Is the assumption that, you know, if you scale through what I'll just call bad sales behavior, that's really the only way to scale as opposed to saying, look, no, there's another way you can do it. And, you know, all of the various KPIs that we think are sort of industry standard maybe don't apply. There's a different way to do it. But then hmm. everybody's sort of afraid to deviate from the playbook. Well, the, the KPIs can apply if that mission is reinforced and reemphasized while, while looking through the KPIs. You know, so if you're talking about a lead to meeting to opportunity to close conversion rate, or you're talking about, to your point, the different steps and stages of the funnel. If they are talked about with the context of the mission and the North Star and that service mindset, then mm-hmm. I think the KPIs can really serve the business in the right way. But I don't think that's done often. In fact, I know yeah. it's not. Yeah. Yeah. But I yeah, think it we- would really help. I really think it would help, uh, you know, to, like I said, turn the ship even a degree or two for the better. Well, yeah. One degree at a time. That's right. That's right. And one person at a time. 
Yeah. Well, what's the what's the uh, navigational thing? It's you know, one degree of difference at at what? How many miles out is like twenty five miles off? You know, different course. I mean, it's your course heading changes. You know, as you go further from the center. Yeah. That one degree can make a huge bit of difference. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I could you know benefit or hinder the uh, trajectory of the ship. Uh, in a big way, just yeah. those one degree, two degree turns. Yeah. There's an image I have of that that I've seen um, that I'll have to share with with your audience uh, that kind of illustrates that point. Well, and I think that's, and that's, for me, this is increasingly sort of the issue is, is, is and we sort of touched on it earlier, but you know, in order to have everybody pointing north in the same direction is, it almost seems like we have to get to a, a more fundamental level of of how we how we develop individuals, you know, within the profession, and you have this idea that there's really training that needs to happen before sales training, which is how do we train people how to be humans, hmm. right? How do we train people and give people this perspective about Connecting with someone, building credibility, building trust—you uh, know—the the service orientation that we expect. Because I really don't think it's necessarily sales training. I think it's just, excuse me, it's it's culture training. It's I, I call it human training, uh, and it seems like there's a big need for that. Big time. I mean, but that, I mean, that that to me could go back to, you know, your family, your family values and your upbringing and the education and the, oh, the different absolutely. life. Ex- yeah. The different life experiences you've had to, to where you start to cultivate those characteristics you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, man, I'm sometimes asked what's the, the root cause of bad sales behavior. And I say bad parenting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is the root cause. So, or different right. parenting, let's say, but or lack of parenting. Yeah. Well, I mean, because it's again, yeah, we yep. just assume that people have the the values that we need, and I think values can be learned and changed, and people do make changes, and people do, uh, you know, as James Clear says, you know, mm. every action you take is a vote for the type of person you want to become. So mm-hmm. we have the ability to do that. But I think that we're we're not providing enough of that sort of pre pre education pre training that that we should, and hopefully that was something that that will begin to change. I know I'm going to be talking more and more about it because I just think it's the missing element. When are you talking more and more about it? Uh, you mean in general? In general, and then yeah, I've got a book coming out next year that's largely addressed to this topic. Can we talk about it for a minute? Uh, we can talk about it for a minute. I don't want to spill too much at this point in time, but yeah. <laughs> uh, how long have you been writing it? Uh, well, I've lost about a year during the pandemic, so sure. about, a, about a year and a half. Um, longer than I thought it would turn out to be, but actually it turned out to be good because having more time to think about it and see what was happening in the world uh, helped me focus mm. it more. Sure. Letting things unfold a bit. Yeah. But just, you know, it always has more time. Help, it's always helpful to have more time to think about things. And, to, yeah, my goal is to, with this book is, yeah, have a, 
as always, to have a short, easily accessible, uh, very practical book. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it takes longer to write a short book than a long one. <laughs> well, I, I won't go deep. I, I will. I will respect. You know the the process, but. I have a question about like, this is, is this book number two for you, Andy? Number three. Number three. And so was there anything in the writing process for this book that has changed from the first two? Um, that's a good question. Well, this one's more collaborative in the sense that, that uh, working with a, a different publisher uh, mm. and the editor, just the, the organization itself, and the editor I'm working with, uh, yeah, that's that part's been night and day, and that's going to make for a much better book. Uh, makes for a better author for sure. And so, yeah, having that interesting. The first book was self-published. Second book was with a conventional publisher. This is with a sort of middle ground publisher. Uh, between the two, you know, the worst experience was with the traditional publisher. <laughs> Wow! Got the, got the least Go figure. Support. Got the least support there. Uh, this one is just, as I said, it's been fantastic. They've been very patient with me. Um, mm. But it's one of those things where you know, I my fourth book is yeah, I've got <laughs> most of that in draft form because yeah, I wrote to create a 120 page book. I've written 250, 300 pages, um, mm. so I already know what. The fourth book is going to be and what it's about and have a pretty good, pretty good start on it. Uh, do you, I mean, can you share, you know, kind of when we can expect to see it on the market? Well, this one, this is the welcome to the Ralph Barcy show. Um, this is, <laughs> this book is going to be available in February of 2022. Actually, we released on February 22, 2022. I love and, it. Uh, yeah. And it really focuses on these core, core human attributes that that we need to. I hate to use the word master, but yeah, that we need to have proficiency in. And if mm -hmm. we do, uh, the recipe for success in life and in and work, and um, also there are recipe for being more fulfilled in your work and not being burnt out and, uh, you know, always being curious about what's coming. And so it's, 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 uh, a sort of clarion call for individual sellers to take control of how they sell. I can't wait. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited. Um, no, I can't wait. And I appreciate you writing something like that. You know, I think it's going to positively impact a lot of folks and it'll, um, you know, definitely serve our profession. That's for sure. So thanks for doing it. Well, thank you. No, I, I hope it does. I mean, I think it's, it's my mission with all the books I've written is how can I take what's a fairly complex set of things we do and reduce them to first principles that, that people can grasp onto and build their own foundation of selling from. And yeah, I believe in process, but I believe at the end of the day, this is an individual sport, even though it's a team sport. They're still, you know, a track and field athlete has a team behind them, but it, when they're in front of the customer, it's up to them. And how yeah, do you so good? How do you develop your way of selling? How do you become the best version of you? And yeah, I've 
guts, what I think is a fairly straightforward way for people to do that. It mirrors what I've done in my own career. Uh, what I found to be important is somebody that's in my own mind has not been a conventional salesperson. Um, and then talks about some of the things that's, that's we need to work on, you know, just to give an example is, is, you know, I still believe that in general, most of our sales training is geared to train people to be salesy. <laughs> and salesy is a behavior that makes the recipients cringe almost universally. Mm-hmm. So why do we do that? Right. And I don't think that salesy is innate behavior. I think it's learned behavior. Mm. And I think there's a way to short circuit that. And so you know, I think for sellers, there's a fairly simple way, as I lay out in the book, is to embrace these aspects that are not salesy. And that you answer the most fundamental question that I think exists in sales. Which is, yeah, when the first decision a buyer makes is, why you as a seller, right? Why should I invest my time in you? Why should I trust you? Why should I uh, consider you to be credible? Why should I, yeah, go down the list of things? Why you? And you have to be able to answer that question. They don't ask it, right? No one asks it verbally. (laughs) But it's being asked all the same. That's right. And if you can't have a good answer for that question through your actions and how they experience you, then you're going to be at a disadvantage. Yeah. It'll be a steep climb. Yeah. No and that's what I learned in my career, as I said, as somebody that just worked in highly technical fields as a non-technical person, I mean, I knew the products and the technology from a lay perspective, but I'm yeah, not a double E by any stretch of imagination, I'm a history major, but I was yeah, selling deeply complex systems. Um, they required that I build credibility and trust with the customers. There's a way to do so it. So good. Yeah. So good. Uh, reminds me a bit of um, Coach John Wooden's Pyramid of Success, where he oh, says, yeah. you know, all the, all the building blocks of that pyramid represent directions to the destination. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it sounds similar, that these are directions to the good way of doing it and the right way of yeah. doing it. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, with him, yeah, how, how do you tie your shoes, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that yeah. was one famous example with him. But there are these fundamentals that, that exist. And, yeah, we can try to say they don't matter, but they do. And, you know, I'll just give one example that always irritates me is, is uh, you know, people saying, yeah, customers don't want small talk these days. Mm. It's like, well, of course, you don't want to spend a half hour with somebody small talking, but the research is very, very clear: is small talk is a way you begin to make a connection with another human being. <laughs> and yeah, we haven't. There's lots that's changed about our world, but people haven't evolved in the last twenty years, right? They, we haven't repealed the last hundred thousand years of of human psychology in ten years. These things are still important. Andy, you would not have known about my 50th anniversary or my 50, I'm sorry, 25th anniversary or 50th birthday if it weren't for some of that small talk. Yeah. You know, I mean, that goes a long, long way. It means a lot. Warms my heart when I hear that. Well, and it's so easy. This is the thing that, that, that 
again, drives me nuts when I have conversations with people about this, and I've had some on my show. It's like, why wouldn't you do this? You know, so there's some <laughs> authors out there saying that you don't need to be likable. That's like really, oh yeah, yeah, and wow. you know who they are, and and in an absolute sense, that's true, right? In an absolute sense. I'm sure there are examples of people that do business to people that aren't likable, but yeah, it costs right. you nothing. And it could be the difference between being able to be in that opportunity or not. Could be the difference between winning or losing. Yeah, I, I put the question to people all the time. So, yeah, I could tell you, ask you, Ralph. So, last deal you won, how much did you win by? What was your margin of victory? Yeah, right. Right? Were you, did you win by 10%, whatever that is, 20%? You can't quantify it. No way. So you have to assume the differences are small and that everything makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I can't, I can't wait to read your book, Andy. Thanks for doing it. Well, oh, thank you. I'll, I'll, you may be on the list to early distribution to get a blurb from you. you Please. Know, part, of, part of the author's <laughs> duty is uh, collecting blurbs and pre-publication. So trust me, you're on that list. I appreciate it. I'm honored. Happy to give a blurb. Yeah, I appreciate that too. Yeah, it's, it's uh, when's your book coming out? Oh, boy. That's a great question. Um. It's coming out. It's just uh, I've got to I've got to put it in one spot to um, to make it happen. You know, I've got I've got a battery of documents uh, with with the contents and material, mm -hmm. and um, I think I've struggled most though with the topic and theme of it. You know, I can get into mechanics of leadership or sales development or the SaaS world. Uh, but what resonates with me most and what I think w would resonate most with my tribe or my audience is about a lot of the things you and I are talking about right now. Mm -hmm. You know, the fundamental human, human um, interaction stuff and just living a good life and being a good person to people and serving others. Uh, that's, what, that's probably what it'll center on. All right. Well, I, if you're interested in working on it, I, I don't have I told you. So I, I, part of my giving back is uh, I run a mastermind group for first-time sales authors. Ooh. And so the first first cohort just passed through the the uh, session. We're about ready to start a second cohort. Okay. And. Um, yeah. When does this? When's the second kickoff? Well, I'll send you an email. It's coming. It's coming it's, <laughs> I'm intrigued. It's coming up. And, okay. Um, best of all, it's it's free of charge. Okay. So it's I said it's my my effort to give back to this profession. That's yeah, I've benefited from hugely, but also to encourage new voices in sales. And I think that yeah, we sort of been trying to get uh, younger, more diverse voices, people to get out there to, to write books that have, will help shape, excuse me, the future of this profession. Hmm. So, and I will, if you're a listener and you're interested in writing a sales book, you can contact me on LinkedIn and, and put your name on a list for a future session. But 
yeah, I'm very excited. The first group, wow, got some incredible ideas out of it. And so we go through about how to shape your writing habits, how to shape a book concept, uh, how to build your platform to promote your book, bring a publisher in to talk to people um, so they understand their options for publishing. And then and how to manage uh, traditional publisher relationships, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not a fan of the traditional route, but um, there's so many alternatives that are available these days for people that, that want to get out. And I just think that you know, if anybody's listening that you know, has an idea for a book and about sales as we need, I said, we need more perspectives. We need more, more ways to think about it. We need new ideas. And I encourage you to yeah, start thinking about it seriously because yeah. it, the future of our profession really depends on it. I encourage people uh, to do the same. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued, like I said, and probably need to make that contribution. So it's well that's a good way to put it because i think that yes, it's it, is the, it is a contribution i mean oh, yeah. we need to hear from ralph and we need to hear from everybody else and you know one way to start and this is you know just a an idea i give to people if you're listening and you're you think you have something to say and something to add to the conversation is just write down how you sell personally right think about what you do that makes a difference uh, to your buyers to the point where they are willing to do business with you. And that's, that's always a good starting point for a book, right? Is what do you do that, that works that you think maybe is different or that you do is slightly different. And you can start talking about on LinkedIn. You can post on LinkedIn, to, which is a great way to post stuff that's, you know, I like to compare it to being a comedian, trying out new material. Yeah, LinkedIn is a great way to do that. Uh, but just start with that simple step. Why makes me think of, Oh, pardon. Go ahead. Makes me think of uh, the author, Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson. He was trying out the craft, uh, by answering Quora questions, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and developed this catalog, which became his book, you know, so he took swings at the plate, so yep. to speak by, by answering those questions. And I also like, uh, and I liken what you're saying to um, Simon Sinek's golden circle, you know, mm -hmm. why do you sell what you right. sell and then how do you sell? And then what is it that you sell? And I think, right. yeah, just really, really sitting with those questions and reflecting on them could really get the wheels turning. Well, but they also would become more effective, right? I mean, if our goal is as individuals is how do I become the best version of myself, then I need to be thoughtful about that, right? I need to understand, I believe, that we need to understand why what we do works, right? Mm -hmm. Why why does, yeah, what Ralph does, would, you know, why does that resonate with buyers? Uh, you may be, write it down. Said you may be right, you may be wrong, but it's a good starting point. And I think that insight, that self-insight, makes for a better salesperson. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, and so... Nice thing about having this platform of this podcast is, yeah, when people read the book, they'll see, oh, I heard him talk about this <laughs> 18 months ago on an episode. Uh, I've, yeah. I've, well, look, looking forward to um, being part of the, one of the next cohorts. All right. Well, I'll, I'll contact you, and I'll make this out. Anybody listening that you're interested, yeah, do contact me on LinkedIn. Uh, we're already starting a wait list for the next, next group. Um, but... Hopefully we'll get a bunch of books published out of this that 
uh, will set the tenor for the next 5, 10, 15 years in sales. There you go. And we, we start making that two-degree turn. Exactly. <clears throat> um, yeah, because... <laughs> It's needed. <laughs> yeah. As I tell people is, is you know, oftentimes I feel like I'm pushing the envelope more in sales than most people in, in terms of thought about it. And, you know, I'm much closer to the end of my career than the beginning of my career. And we need people that are more at the beginning of their career to be pushing that envelope too. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, wow. So true. Next generation. Yep. All right, Ralph. Yeah, we didn't talk about anything that I had planned, which people listening to the show know that's oftentimes the case, which is makes for, a, you know, I always make the, it's like the analogy is like when you show up, uh, do your presentation, you know, for a, you know, bake-off presentation and you never open your laptop. Yeah, you know, right, that's, right. That's the one, Well, right? it means we get to reconvene, Andy. How about that? Well, you know me, I, I always like to reconvene. So I was going to tell you before we go, one book, I think. You should read. Oh yes, yep. that that. Uh, well, I've got several, but in the interest of time, I'll keep it to one. But and a great recommendation. This this uh, episode, these people were on, will probably have aired by the time this does. Mm-hmm. Is a book called Everyday Business Storytelling mm. by Janine Kernoff and Lee Lazarus. Lazarus, excuse me, sisters. Um, Beautiful book, beautiful book, graphically beautiful, easy to read, incredibly clear uh, roadmap for building effective stories that, you know, because I think part of the reason that we talk so much about storytelling and so little is actually done about it in sales calls and so on is is it's overwhelming to sellers with everything else they have to get going uh, mm-hmm. to do. And this is, yeah, they carve out a path and especially for you know, presentations, visual storytelling, uh, really great stuff. Love it. I'm, I'm glad it's on the market. I look forward to it. Yeah. I usually follow, um, um, a mind map that, that goes by the acronym PAR, P-A-R, starting with the problem, then the mm-hmm. action, then the result, mm-hmm. just to, just as a skeleton framework to right. tell a story from. Right. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to checking that one out. Everyday business storytelling, and you said it's Janine and Lee. Yeah, Kernoff, K U R N O F F F, and okay. Lazarus. So excellent. Yeah, for everybody out there, if you want a, an excellent book about storytelling, how to integrate into what you do, it's a good one to pick cool. up and read. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. Of course, that's why we're here. It's uh, it's now in the queue. All right, so. You have to let me know when videos are available to watch your band, since uh, unless I'm up in the Bay Area sometime when you're we're about ready to be traveling more. So um, we'll do. Look forward to that. And didn't we'll you do. didn't you just go on vacation somewhere? Uh, we'll be going this oh, summer. You're going? Okay. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be in the islands this summer in Hawaii. Oh, I'm so envious. I well, booked, my own, booked my own trip yeah. for October, but uh, yeah. Did you? Yeah. We're uh, we're gonna take the boys to uh, Oahu and Maui. Uh, it's a it's a big trip too. It's a good ten days uh, that we'll Love be it. there. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. I'm already there mentally. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, I'll be there vicariously, document it. But have you climbed Diamond Head yet? 
It's on the list, actually. It's, oh, um, it's one, one, one of the mornings we're going to uh, we're going to do that. Yeah, get there early because the buses tend to show up early. Okay. Um, you park in the crater, mm-hmm. and uh, but yeah, that's a, it's usually less windy. I think too in the morning uh, once yeah. you get up to the top. But yeah, incredible views once you get up there. Uh, Can't wait. Well worth doing. Yeah, the Barcy family is definitely feeling the spirit of Aloha. Yeah, and then uh, someday, you know, one of the evenings when the kids are, can you leave the kids on their own? Are they old enough to be self-sufficient? They are. Fortunately, Perfect. yes. We've we've reached that point. It's beautiful. All right. So just brief tour guide <laughs> for people yes. interested in Oahu. Best Mai Tais in the world at the Mai Tai Bar at the Royal Hawaiian. Get there 4 o'clock, 4.30 grab a seat at the bar, it's open air, <laughs> you're, you're looking out at the water, at Diamond Head, it's the uh, best place to experience a sunset. sunset. As my boys would say, say less. It's like, <laughs> you sold me on it, I'm in. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we can talk offline. There's lots, I got restaurant recommendations and so on. Oh, I'll take you up on all of it. Thank you. Yeah. Can't wait, can't wait. Yeah, well, I got some from Tiffany Bova, <laughs> and she's been on the show because you know she's from Hawaii. So, sure, uh, I know who Tiffany is. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'll get some tips from her as well. Ralph, as always, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, Andy. Great to talk to you always. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Ralph Barcy, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for your help with that. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Good selling, everyone.